Thank you so much, team. And if you have your Bibles, I do want to invite you to join me in Luke chapter 2 and the Christmas story. And as we open the Word this morning, uh, it is just with a special uh, sense that we read this story on Christmas Day. And so as we look at the Word, uh, we are going to continue looking at this Christmas story uh, through the characters of Christmas. And over the past several Sundays, we have seen the Christmas story through the eyes of Joseph. We have saw the, the Christmas story through the eyes of Mary. We've seen the Christmas story through the eyes of the innkeeper. We've seen the Christmas story through the eyes of Herod. And today we are going to see the Christmas story through the eyes of the shepherds. Now when Christ, the Son of God, was born... You would think, and, and I would think that it would make sense that a, the, the greatest miraculous birth of all time would be announced in the most public and powerful of ways. Like it would make sense that if you're going to announce the birth of the King of Kings, that you would go straight to Caesar Augustus' palace in Rome. That was a, he was the most powerful ruler at the time. He's the one that set forth the decree I mean, let's, let's, let's get this announcement out in the most profound way possible. And so there would be that thought like, let's go through Caesar's palace. Or another way might be, well, let's get all of the, the most wealthy, well-connected, and most well-known people uh, all together in the most public of places. And also, like, let's throw a parade and let's get some trumpets involved in this thing. Because this is the greatest announcement up to this point in history that has ever been made. It would seem like that would be the way that you would want to announce this most important, historical, redemptive, life-changing moment in history. And so God, what I love about God, one of the things I love about God is because the Bible reminds me is that His ways are far above our ways. And where it would seem like in my head, you would want to get the most well-connected, well-known, most powerful people together, go to the most public place with the most powerful people, the people with most influence, and that you would make this announcement. But instead, think about this. God chose that this most important announcement would not be made in the most public place with the most powerful people. But instead, He chose to go to a more remote place with the most marginalized of people. What some would call the least of these. The shepherds. So the good news is not just for the powerful, and that's what this story reminds us of. That this good news is not just for the powerful, not just for the well-connected, not just for the super talented, and it's not just for the people who always get picked first for everything. This message, this good news, is for every single person. It's for all people. And I love how God, in His unmistakable, intentional, sovereign, divine, providential way, that He says, the way I'm going to help the rest of humanity from this point forward understand that this Gospel is for all people is I am going to give this first announcement to the least of these. 
That's where I'm going to let this news be made known first to the shepherds so that the world would forever understand. And it was at the time that Mary birthed Christ, wrapped Him in swaddling clothes, laid Him in a feeding trough, that it was at that moment in Bethlehem that just outside the city there in a more remote area there still in the region that God decided it's time to go public with this announcement. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. The Bible says this, and in the same region, so the same region as Mary and Joseph and the Messiah who has been born. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now we know what's coming. Maybe we've read the story a million times. We just heard it a moment ago. But in just a moment, this, so, this silent night for these shepherds is about to turn into like an angelic worship event. They have no idea what's coming right now. They're just doing what they normally do, what shepherds normally do. They're keeping watch over their sheep at nighttime. And the shepherds here are, would be considered, as I shared just a moment ago, they would be considered uh, the most unlikely to receive important news. Because they were the marginalized. They, were, uh, they, they would be seen as uh, the most undeserving group to receive this most important announcement that could ever be shared. And that they were considered the least in terms of social rank. They were uneducated. They were looked down upon. But what you can't miss and what everyone in that region would have to acknowledge is that shepherding is hard work. And that's why Jesus distinctly even calls Himself the Good Shepherd. Because as you can imagine, there are some not so good shepherds and there are good shepherds. But the Good Shepherd is a diligent, skillful worker. That shepherds were hard working. It was an intensive work. It was a difficult work. Because the, the, the shepherding role would cause for courage and to be selfless and to be vigilant and to not let your guard down that sheep require seven day a week care <laughs> like there's a song about it prone to wonder lord i feel it i mean you can just imagine these sheep just kind of doing their own thing which we're referred to as sheep we kind of it's real easy to go our own way but these good shepherds who were vigilant who were selfless who were courageous because they had to protect from the predators that would come. They would ensure that every sheep had to be fed and had to be watered and had to be nurtured and had to be guided and had to be protected. And isn't it amazing that God could have used any picture in, in the Bible, any symbol of what good godly servant leadership looks like, but of all the pictures he could have painted, he chose a shepherd. That in Psalm 23, King David, who spent some time shepherding in the Bethlehem hills as a kid growing up, that here's what King David said in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I love this. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness 
for His name's sake. That in all the pictures, God says, I'm a shepherd. That even Jesus says in John 10, He said, I am the good shepherd because the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That even Herod himself, when the wise men from the east came and they came in their entourage, and they, um, you know, I would say, you know, I, I would kind of question their, their, the, uh, how public they went with a guy like Herod ruling at the time, uh, because Herod was a wicked, selfish, insecure ruler. But here they come rolling into town with their entourage. And what do they say? We're here to worship the King of the Jews. Where is He? So that we can worship Him. And then Herod gathered these uh, chief priests and these scribes and he brings them in close and he asked them, what are they doing here? Like what king is this that they're speaking of? And they said this quoting Micah 5.2 but in Matthew chapter 2, verse 6, they say this. They quote, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, and listen to this, who will shepherd my people, Israel. So in God's plan, the first announcement, the first people that would know will be those who are most marginalized in that culture and that is the shepherds. So in verse 9 of Luke 2, the Bible says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with great fear. That word great fear there, in the original language, means great fear. <laughs> it, means, it means terrified. I mean, imagine you're a shepherd, and you're watching your flock by night. <laughs> And you're in a remote part of the hills. And you're just kind of doing your work. You're being vigilant. It's just a typical another night. And all of a sudden, an angel appears to you. Out of nowhere, I'm thinking that there would be great fear. But the reality is, is that anytime sinful man comes in the presence, the manifest presence of God, a great fear comes over them. We see it with the shepherds. We saw it with Zechariah in the temple when Gabriel visited him and said he's going to have a son named John. We saw it when God went and visited Joseph. Joseph had great fear. The first words out of the angel are, fear not. The angel shows up to Mary and announces this glorious, miraculous birth of the Son of God. God has chosen her and, and she, has, she has great fear and the, the angels communicate. Fear not. So we see this message of, of fear not from the angels. In verse 10, the Bible says, And the angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be, and this is, this is worth the trip of gathering together as the church this morning. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. All people. In a culture where we see people edged out and not included, and you're not this enough or that enough or, or whatever, this message, this good news is for every single person. The shepherds were often included as the outcast. 
the most religious leaders at the time would look at a shepherd and they would say of them that they were unclean. Why? Because remember that shepherding is a, is a, is a difficult gig. And, and the shepherds were not able to keep the man-made regulations of the Sabbath. And because they weren't able to keep the man-made regulations of the Sabbath, the religious elite would look at the shepherds and say, you know what? You're not worthy because you're too unclean. Like You're not worthy. So what does Jesus say? What does God communicate? What does Christ communicate in His coming? That this good news is for everybody. It's for everybody. Verse 11, For unto you, unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Can you see this message going to these shepherds? Can you see them being overwhelmed and terrified in great fear? Hearing that this news is for even them. And as they hear this message, this good news is for them that says, the Savior has come. The Messiah has come, who is Christ the Lord. And in this rich, rich picture, hey Judah Ridge, it's all right buddy, hang in there. In this, in this beautiful picture of the Gospel being for all people, the angels in this little verse give one of the strongest, most theological rich descriptions of Jesus. Because if you notice, they didn't say Jesus was born. Matter of fact, Jesus was actually a fairly common name. But what separates Jesus from all others is the fact that He is the Savior Christ the Lord. He's the Savior because He is our Rescuer. Because your need and my need and all of mankind's greatest need is to be rescued from our sin and saved from our sin. And so when the shepherds come, they first say Christ is the Savior. He's the Rescuer. He's the only one that can forgive us of our sin. I love how in John 3.17 that God says, uh, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that in order that the world might be saved through Him. And then not only is He the Savior, He's the Christ. Christ is not the last name of Jesus. There isn't Joseph Christ and Mary Christ and Jesus Christ. Christ is a title. Christ means anointed one. That word Messiah they would have heard growing up and over the ages and over the centuries, they would hear that this Messiah has come. The Messiah would be the anointed one. And then not only is He the Savior, not only He is the Christ, but He is the Lord. And this is more than just a title. It's more than just a, 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 you know, a, a formal way of addressing what the angels are saying and would be unmistakable is that Jesus is the Savior he is the Christ, and He is the Lord. He is God. This is an announcement that has been like no other in the history of the world. And in verse 12, the Bible says, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, so don't miss that suddenly. Like all of a sudden there was one angel. 
And now suddenly there is a host of angels. Like this is something the night sky of Bethlehem has ever seen before. Like this is greater than any visual you know, display that, 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 that these, these shepherds could ever see in their lifetime. And there's this host, this heavenly host, spanning the Bethlehem skyline. And here's what they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Peace. Did you know this world has never known peace since the garden? There's never been a complete and total peace since the garden. And there will not be a total, complete peace until Christ comes again and makes all things new and reigns forever and ever and ever. So who is this peace for? Peace among those with whom He is pleased. In other words, peace is available for all of those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That that's the only way that we can, and you can, I can experience lasting peace is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And here are the angels, and they are praising, and they are saying. And I think one of the reasons that they are praising is because they have been worshiping Christ the Trinity for since eternity past. They know that this moment is coming. And now this moment has come that Christ has come. In Luke chapter 15, in the parables of the, the lost son and the lost coin, the, the Bible says this, that just so I tell you there is joy before the angels over God, for God over one sinner who repents. In other words, the angels rejoice every time a sinner repents of their sin and places their faith and trust in Christ. And now here are the angels, and they're like, it's happening, it's go time. The Christ, the Savior, the Lord has come, and they are celebrating and they're praising God and they're worshiping Him. And in verse 15, the Bible says that when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. That first Christmas day changed those shepherds' life forever. And Christmas Day has changed all of humanity's life forever. Because He has come. Because He is the Savior. Because He is the Christ. And because He is the Lord. So as we look at this text this morning, there are just a couple points of, of application that I would encourage us all to consider this morning as we look at the Christmas story on Christmas Day through the eyes of the shepherd 
And the first is this, is that we would be encouraged that the Gospel is for all people, even you. That the Gospel is for all people, even me. That this good news is for all people, even those who would feel most marginalized or those who would consider themselves among the least of these. For anybody who would ever consider themselves unlovable to God. For anybody who would ever consider themselves unworthy before God. For anyone who would see the love of God and His display in coming and giving His life so that we could have life through Him. That for the people who say that they've messed up too much, or that their lives are a wreck and they have failed God, so how could God love them, especially after they, and you fill in the blank? The good news is that the Gospel is for all people. For the saved, for the rescued, for the one who has turned from their sin and trusted Jesus as Lord, it's the reminder that this good news is for us every single Day that I love how J.D. Greer says in his gospel prayer that there's nothing you could ever do that would make God love you more and there's nothing that you've done that could ever make God love you less. That God's love is unconditional and God loves you. He loves you so, so much. Be encouraged. Let's celebrate His love. And for anybody who may be here and doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, let this Christmas day, this Christmas message be a reminder that God went to the remote area and went to the least of these to bring the greatest hope that could ever be shared to a soul. And that is that there is life. And there is life in the full, through the full, only through a relationship with Jesus for you. How? The Bible teaches us Acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of rescue. Repent of your sin and trust in Jesus, the Messiah, Christ, the Lord, our Savior, as Lord of all, and He will rescue you. Not only is the Gospel for all people, even us, but the Gospel changes us. The shepherds were changed forever, don't you think? I think that life was never ever the same because of what has just taken place in their lives. And the Gospel changes us. We see they made haste. We see that quick obedience. If there's an area of obedience that Christ is calling us to, and it's unmistakable, we know it. Can we, can we be encouraged by the action of the shepherds that made haste and they went and they obeyed? And it was out of the overflow of the worship of God in their hearts that they went and they told others, sharing what had just Happened and their lives were changed forever. And I can imagine the hope that they shared that they would probably go find their other shepherd friends because maybe nobody else would share that news. Like they went to everybody to share how this gospel is for all people, even for them. God help us, God change us, mold us. God's ultimate will for our life, Romans 8 is that we would be conformed into the image of God's Son. That our lives would look more and more and more and more like Jesus. And then a third truth observation that I would share is simply this. Is that the Gospel 
and Christmas remind us that as believers, we are to love, treasure, and worship Christ above all other things. The shepherds left their work to go worship Christ. They left their work. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, later on when the wise men begin to make their way towards Bethlehem, like they dropped everything because the worship of Christ was the most important thing they could possibly be doing in their lives. And so in a world where there are a million important things in our lives, may Christ be supreme over all. I love how the Bible tells us that Mary treasured these things in her heart. So may we, maybe more than any other Christmas, find ourselves completely in awe and wonder of God's love for even us that we would find ourselves like the shepherds quick to obey and whatever He calls us to. Can't you imagine them running through Bethlehem being like, hey, is there a baby in here? Is there a baby around here? Like, like going, hey, I found the baby. Here's the manger. Like, I just wish I could have seen it all, how it all looked and played out. But you just see this quick obedience. Like God says it, they do it. Help our lives. By the grace of God and the power of His Spirit, whatever God says, let's do and honor Him. And above all, worship Him above all. Suddenly, shepherding, though important, wasn't as important as Jesus in that moment and for any others that were making their way to worship the Christ that they found themselves knowing that this was the most important thing to love and to treasure Christ above all. May we love and treasure Christ above all this Christmas season. And so as we wrap up, I'm going to pray for us. And just like always, um, most Sundays, pretty much every Sunday, uh, it's a time of response. right? Because anytime the Word is shared, anytime the Word is opened, like it's an invitation. God is inviting us to respond to His Word. And so that can look like a lot of different ways. Uh, but I would encourage you this. If, if you're here and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, I would say may today be the day of salvation that Christ has come to give life and to rescue you. And so we'll have pastors here. We would love to talk with you, pray with you, encourage you. Um, not only that, but we also see in the Christmas story that Maybe as much as anything else, what Christmas reminds us of, specifically the Christmas story, is that worship. Is that that's what Christmas is all about. It's all about worshiping Christ. And so whether it was Mary and Joseph or the, the shepherds or any others who kind of made their way being like, what is going on over there? What's, what's happening? Or these wise men in the entourage as they make their way, why do they come? They come to worship. And so as we end our time this morning, how fitting is it that we would end our time in a song of worship to the Lord? So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand, and we're going to sing one more song as we wrap up our time this morning. But I just want to say again, Merry, Merry Christmas, and praise the Lord, glory to God in the highest. 
that Christ has come. And He's come to rescue us. Let's pray. Father, we love You. And we thank You so much for Your amazing grace. And uh, God, I thank You so much for Your incredible love. And God, I love how intentional You were in Your plan from eternity past that You would choose that those who would receive this most important announcement would be those who would be thought of perhaps the least. In the remote place, keeping watch over their flock, You barged in through angelic messengers and said that Christ has come. The Savior, Christ the Lord. And so Father, this Christmas day, we gather for one purpose, and that is to worship You. It is to praise You. It is to honor You. So God, we do give You all the honor and all the glory and all of the praise. And Father, I pray that You would find us, God, astounded and amazed by Your Gospel grace. I pray You would find us swift to obey in haste to obey. And Father God, I pray that You would find us treasuring You above all other people and all other things because You alone are worthy. God, we love You and we praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand with me as we sing one final song. And here's my encouragement for all of us, that we would simply focus on the Lord and sing these lyrics to the Lord because He is so, so worthy. He's worthy. Let's sing.